Digital Digital Get Down. We are your usual hosts, Heather and Bennett. Woo! And I have a quick quiz to start this podcast. Let's do it. Let's get down. Are you more of a dog or cat person? Uh, neither. What's your favorite color? Uh, you never know what my answer is, but it used to be orange, now it's red. Pick a number between 1 and 100. Uh, 13. Do you love your family? Yes. Why did you do it? Because I had to. So... We're going to get to that shortly. That's a little bit of a preview. Preview from the book we're talking about today. Yeah. Lexicon by Max Berry. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that a bit later. We'll start with an update about what we've been doing this week. Yeah, it's been quite a week. We started a new TV show. Mm-hmm. We started watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriends on a recommendation from a few different people. Mm-hmm. So we've only won just one episode into yeah, that I like so the, far. I like the first one. And we realize that we are either too out of touch with America mm-hmm. from living here for two and a half years, or we just no longer have a sense of humor. But that Saturday Saturday Night Live episode. Right. We tried to watch the one from last week because you get a hard on for Chris Pine. That's a little bit dramatic. I do like Chris Pine. Yeah. And I just did not find the episode funny. Like all the ones that all the uh, pop culture news sites were reporting like best SNL sketch ever. These are the funniest videos. I didn't laugh even once. No, it didn't. Nothing landed really. They had the the digital short with the rapper rapping about peace. I didn't get that That one at all. The best one was probably like the RuPaul Drag Race like mechanic one. But even that one was just a few chuckles. It wasn't really a laugh one. Yeah. And then like the Star Trek one, I like... The new Star Trek movies a lot. That's right. one of the reasons I like Chris Pine. I've watched some of the original Star Trek. I should that should have been funny, yeah. and I didn't. You laughed even more than I did. Like I didn't find bit, it funny yeah. at all. So I don't know what's wrong with we're us. We're losing our taste, or we're just too cool for America. We've transcended American yeah. humor. But my lesson learned from this week was never to pick a movie for us to watch. <laughs> never ever to pick another movie no, because we talked about baseball movies last week so i said oh i'll put on for love of the game because it's an adorable sports drama like we were talking about we, i figured i'd put it on on sunday night you'd watch it you get emotionally attached you'd love the sports and then you, i'd have you crying by the end instead you were sitting over there like seething the entire time at the movie it's terrible i think your two the two real takeaway lessons of this are don't hype something up so much when I'm going to watch it and it's not going to live up to it, especially yeah. something they haven't watched in a while. And secondly, don't make me watch something when I'm just not feeling good and I've just come back from a softball game and I'm grumpy and tired. Okay. But Message no, received. I did not think it was a very good movie. Uh, I thought it, it was like the oof, the least feminist thing I've ever watched in my whole you life. You went into Social Justice Warrior a little bit. Well, it... it you couldn't just give in to the movie magic no. and just... just no, it was it like out. the most male gaze, male uh, centric written thing I've ever, not ever watched, but up Yeah, there. and as a 14 year old boy who didn't get the, the dildo jokes and other things, I thought it was an awesome movie when I was little. I just watching it, it was just so unrealistic. Everything she said, I was like, a man put those words in the woman's mouth because that's what he wants to hear. It didn't, it was not realistic at all. And I was not rooting for them. Like <sighs> the, the movie assumes that the, the watcher is going to care about this white sports dude who's like one yeah. of the old good guys and about their relationship and I didn't care about either of them it like doesn't give you any reason to like either of them 
Yeah. And the, the woman had absolutely no personality traits. No. Not a single personality trait. No. There was not a single scene that wasn't her, like, in a fight with him about <laughs> their, like, love that was never going to last. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the baseball parts being the main focus, but they it was really more about the relationship. The baseball parts were yeah. the best part. There was, like, four yeah. minutes of them, and that's it. The rest of it was just these dramatic flashbacks yeah. that I were loved terrible. I his, his little buddy relationship with uh, John C. Riley as the catcher. I usually stuff. hate John C. Ryland. He was the only shining moment of this film. <sighs> okay. Yeah, it was. It was. You rough. can you can pick the next movie we watch. Then. Although we're gonna watch Prince of Egypt sometime. Sure. So do you want to start with your good news for this week, or should I start with my good news? Um, I can go first. All right. I have four this week. Is that how many I'm supposed to have? Wait a minute. What? Good news. Bad news. <laughs> Let's get down with the news. Okay. Four? Uh, yeah. I just said last week we couldn't have two every week. You have no. four? Are they quick ones? Many of them are quick. We're supposed to be picking one thing, honey. Um, okay. Well, I have two HGTV updates just to keep some trends <laughs> and going. And that's your good news? Yeah. Well, okay. just because I think they're funny, maybe. Okay. Uh, so, quick update on our favorite show, Flip or Flop, featuring Tarek and Christina. This should never um, be in a good news segment. So... We know that they're divorced, but are continuing with their new season. They're also in the process of being sued by one of their former employees. Oh, that's why it's good news. Okay, yeah, I'll yeah. accept that. He, uh, he was working for them, and his job was to find them the shitty houses to buy and fix up. And he was promised $5,000 per shitty house that he found. Which they don't I've, include that in the budget uh, differential on the show. No. So, yeah, I feel like I could do that just from Zillow.com. But, so yeah, they haven't paid him at all, though, so now he's suing them. Fair. Okay, so that's one update. Second one, um, the other HGTV show that we enjoy, uh, House Hunters, which, by the way, we were almost uh, the stars of. Almost, on one yeah. episode. Yeah. So close. Um, we've started, because they play it here continuously, and you hear that voice of that narrator yes. over and over, and it's like, it just gets This stuck couple in. has just moved to this place. <laughs> So, BuzzFeed this week... Have you seen all the memes what? about it, too? What do they do? Like, I tune harmonicas part-time and my husband paints turtle shells. Our budget is $50 million. <laughs> you haven't seen that at all? No. There's been so many of them. No. Okay, so... Uh, BuzzFeed had a big exclusive this week. They had the first ever interview with the voice of House Hunters. Oh, my God. Uh, her name is Andromeda... Dunker. It would be. She is named after the galaxy. Confirmed. Uh, she has never appeared on camera, but BuzzFeed was very, very excited to have the first ever interview with her. Was it a voice interview or was it a written interview? No, they had a picture of her. She's pretty cute, actually. No, but was it her um, voice they were interviewing? Like, was it a video so you could actually hear her voice? Or was no, it just it was written? a text interview. Then what is the point of that? Because it was the first time she's ever come I could say I'm the voice. The I could say I'm the voice of HGTV and just write up a thing about it and nobody would know. You're saying it's fake news, potentially. I'm saying it should have been a video, if the whole point is that she's the voice. You're trying to shit on my good news. I'm sorry. So Andromeda does 400 plus episodes of House Hunters per year. Does she get paid five grand per shitty house? Uh, unclear. Okay. Alright, so those were my two little quick updates. Um, otherwise, my best good news of the week was uh, the MTV, what do they call it now? The Movie and Television Awards? Yeah. Which, I don't think I've actually watched the MTV Movie Awards in, like, the last decade. But, anyways, the the thing that caught my interest was uh, the news that they gave the 
Best Actor Award to Emma Watson for Beauty and the Beast. And this was the first time that any big award show, I guess, has done a genderless category for acting. It's funny because that was going to be my bad news. I guess I'll need a different bad news. This ties back to episode one. Oh, God. So, I have never, I don't think I've ever watched the MTV Awards either. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw some really cool things that happens on the MTV Movie and TV Awards. The only thing, like 90% of what I saw reported was Emma Watson winning this category and her her somehow being this amazing advocate for gender equality and for people who don't have uh, typical gender identities, etc., etc. Do you know what else happened at the MTV Movie Awards that are arguably more important? No, that's the only thing I read about. See? What? Do you know who won Best Kiss? Uh, no. The guys from Moonlight. Okay, that's a good kiss. A people of color gay kiss won the best kiss. It was the only one in their category that was two men, or that so was two of the same So you're still on your media rampage about the other uh, Noah Armani Trevor Granger. Noah Trevor won yeah. an award. Trevor Noah. Whatever his name is. <laughs> I don't watch that show. I'm just saying. Another person of color on a television show that won an award. Yeah. Hidden Figures won like best fight against the man or whatever that category <laughs> okay. was. So there was a lot of other things that I think are more progressive than Emma Watson winning a actress award in a category they've renamed. I agree yeah, I don't that think... having genderless categories yeah. is nice and it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But the fact that that's the only thing that got reported hmm. when all of these other things I would say were a lot more important. Yeah, I didn't think the good news part of it was that she won. I, I find that funny if she was actually the best acting performance in Beauty and the Beast in the last year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know who the other... I mean, um, you know it's fan-voted, right? Nominees like the were. Choice yeah, I wars. figured, but still. Um, so I was... I was yeah, yeah. Sorry. Hide, hijack it. Hijack away. <laughs> saying, I was very happy about some of the people that I saw that won the awards because yeah. I thought they were fairly progressive, especially if it's fan-voted, that the fans didn't vote for the Beauty and the Beast kiss. They voted right. for the Moonlight Kiss. Yeah. So I thought that was very impressive. And I also thought um, Millie Bobby Brown's um, The Stranger Things Girl, yeah. Eleven, her speech was very cute. That's what I heard. She was tearing up. She was very cute. And she gave a thanks to the writers for creating a badass feminist icon that she got to yeah. play. Um, but yeah, like 98% of what I saw re- reported was like Emma Watson wins an award. And yeah. she had this amazing speech because what a great advocate she is. <laughs> um, I just think that, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for more award shows to do this for things like acting. Like... The Grammys, you don't have best album by a female artist. or Wait, do you? I think you do, honey. Oh, they have gosh. album of the year that can yeah, be anybody. But best female but then artist. They, yeah. As yeah. I started saying it, I realized that they were just as pff, stuck in the They're old. pretty much the same because the best album, best movie. Right. The same thing. So, yeah. I mean, obviously you can never really do that with sports. Like, I've always you know, thought you could never have Olympic sports crossover, really. No. But with transgendered actors getting more involved with a lot of new shows. Or people that just don't put themselves into a typical gender. Sure. Yeah, definitely a step in the right direction. But yeah, I was just uh, irritated with the media once again, how much they uh, were biased towards her winning when there was a lot of other things that I think were just as important or more important. Okay, glad I got you so fired up. (laughs) Gosh, uh, my last quick note. There's another one. Yeah, just the last quick note. That uh, the Beauty and the Beast movie is now the highest grossing PG-rated film of all time. Normally I don't care at all about highest grossing numbers because it's all relative to ticket prices and stuff, so it doesn't really matter. But I just thought it was interesting that it was the highest one that with the PG rating. The last time I thought about 
uh, movie ratings was probably a very, very long time ago. Like, it never crosses my mind what's PG, PG-13. That's because they don't have the same ratings here, honey. It's not Well, the right, system. and they can say the F word, like, after 8 p.m. on television in Australia. They so can be naked think, people after yeah, 9 p.m. They don't even care about ratings here, but... And then I read a little story. It was an oral history about it. Really what? beat like Moana and like a, like Disney, a lot of those other. I like, assume animated Moana movies. was G. Oh, you're right. So that's okay. what it's saying is okay, that okay. it attracted a, probably a young audience, but it was PG because it was live action and there were wolves. Yeah, and <laughs> likes and, have, <laughs> and some cleavage. But yeah, and then I read one story, an oral history about the Austin Powers movies, which you still haven't seen, so correct? They wouldn't be funny now. You have to know they wouldn't no, be funny. No, this story was about how it still now. stands up. I think we should see the I, first one, ooh. potentially. You, you just said a minute ago you didn't get to no, pick yeah, any, more movies. any more movies. But anyways, they were talking, Mike Myers was talking about um, the things that they had to do at the, in the cutting room to make sure it was PG-13 instead of R. So just the way that you know movie studios had to do stuff to get the rating that they want. Well, and the fact that you can have, like, gratuitous gun violence. Of course. And if you say fuck one time, yeah. it has to be rated R. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Okay, go ahead. You can do your good news, and we'll see when I'm ready to hijack it. Okay, I have a couple quick good news. If you're going to do a couple quick More than one. Well, I was going to narrow it down, but if you're breaking the rules, I'm going to break the rules. Um, really quick one. I just saw that Brooklyn Nine-Nine got renewed for its next season. Yeah. Um, also saw this week that Nicki Minaj... Okay. Offered to pay off the tuition and student loans of a bunch of her fans on Twitter. Okay. I thought it was a really cool story because she's she's well known for uh, encouraging ho- her fans to stay in school and, and make sure they get their education. Is this like a Michael Scott promise where like in 15 years they'll come <laughs> back and they'll be totally broke? I don't then... think so. Like she, she basically said if you can prove your debt and if you can prove which classes you're taking or prove like the grades that you're getting, um, like send me a DM and, with your bank details and I'll... I'll pay your loans. And I think it's amazing. It's the future of college scholarships. (laughs) Probably with the way the U.S. is going, that'll be the future of medical bills as well. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, it's really cool. It's one of those things, like if you were a rich person, you would hope that you would just do that randomly. Yeah. Like $2,000 to someone who is working like two jobs and trying to raise a a kid makes a huge difference. Whereas $2,000 to someone who makes that like every day on Spotify with the plays. Yeah. Like, is nothing. So, I just thought that was a really Speaking cool Speaking of which, we would happily accept money for this podcast. We're currently <laughs> independent, going at it. Who's going to be our, our first own sponsor? Funding. Blue Apron, we're waiting for the call. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, we're ready. We could use a new mas- mattress. Casper mattress, we'd accept you <laughs> as well. I know you were pretty uh, 2016, but... That's fine. Uh, the, my real good news, which I'm sure everyone has seen by now, mm. is... Tom Holland, who I didn't even know his name until a couple days ago. The right. new Spider-Man, which I don't care about. Now, was he the Spider-Man in the last Marvel movie that you made me see? I believe so. When he showed up for like five minutes. I don't even know which one Maybe. that was. Was That okay. that wasn't an Avenger. That was Civil, Civil War. War. Captain America. Okay. They're all the same at this point. Pretty much. Captain America Civil War. Um, I think yeah. so. So I don't really care about him. I don't really care about the new Spider-Man. I generally actively dislike Lip Sync Battle. Yeah, that show's terrible. But... Tom Holland did an amazing version of Umbrella by Rihanna, dressed as Rihanna. Umbrella, hello. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. I was very impressed by it. Turns out he was Billy Elliot in a stage production of it. So he's like a trained dancer and musical person. But I was very impressed by his dancing skills. Yeah, you shrieked from the living room and said that I had to watch it immediately. And I was like, ugh. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, that was really cool. Yeah. I've always 
somewhat regretted ending my theater career so early just because I'd love to have been in Singing in the Rain and gotten to do the dance in the puddles. I love dancing I feel like it would not have been as fun as you wanted it to be, though. Uh, not for the costume designer who has to dry that those clothes out. Uh, not for night. the stage crew person. I used to do stage crew, yeah. so that would have been miserable for me. All right. Thanks for shitting on my drink. <laughs> so, do you want to move to bad news? Bad news. Uh, who's going? Um, I'll go, I guess. Okay. Um, this is a super quick one that's not even really news, but if I see one more article about a cauliflower or zucchini crust for pizza, yeah. I'm going to kill someone. Cauliflower has, like, jumped the shark. Like, cauliflower is currently my favorite food, so I'm totally on board with the trend, but it's now become too cool. Like, they're like, look at this healthier pizza. Instead of smothering bread with cheese, you smother cauliflower with yeah, cheese. No. It's, I, if you're going to have a pizza, just have a fucking pizza. Right. I've gone through uh, paleo phases. We've, we're gluten-free, and now I'm vegetarian, and so... Gluten-free is not a phase for me. Yeah, it's yeah. A dietary, it's a yeah. medical necessity. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. But anyways, but yeah, I'm totally on board with you about eat, eat the foods that you want to eat on your diet, but don't try to make imitation foods to make you feel like you're not on that diet. That defeats the whole point. Yeah, and if you're smothering it with cheese, cheese is the unhealthiest part of a pizza. <sighs> it's not the bread. Yeah. Like, yes, carbs, too much of them are bad for you. Yeah. But everything I see, it's like, ooh, look at this great vegetarian recipe, and it's like... Now, first we start with cream cheese, and then we add more cheese, and then we add sour cream. And I'm like, that is not healthy, and there's so you're, that's so much fat in that. Anyways. You know, Blue Apron would never do something <laughs> like that. Um, that's more of an aside. My okay. bad news is actually that there's a Blade Runner sequel. Yes. This is another movie that we watched maybe too late. Maybe we missed the mark Definitely somehow. Definitely too late. It's an early 80s film. Terminator as well, and Back to the Future. We've recently yep. been trying to... Uh, educate ourselves on some of these like 80 classics. films that we were maybe a bit too young for or did not were not Didn't born exist. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we kind of missed out on some of these you know classics and watching them now i guess i'm glad i get the pop culture references with some of them but they do not hold up yeah as a not as a rewatch but as watching it for the first time in 2017 yeah i thought the movie blade and blade runner and robocop were all the same for a while so now that they're at least a little differentiated for me but uh, I went into Blade Runner really excited because I had just read the uh, the book that it's loosely based on, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which I loved. I gave it an A on book digits, which, which is very, very rare for and me. And for like a weird sci-fi book, that's extra rare yeah. for you. And so I'd heard that the movie was like a loose adaptation of it. And I said, oh, that probably will be good because that way I won't complain if it's not just like the book. Right, it's not word for word. But yeah, the movie, our first viewing of it was awful. I've heard it gets better after the first viewing. If I have to watch a movie four times to understand it, no, fuck you. And there's apparently, like, you're supposed to watch the director's cut, not the theatrical cut. Because the one we watched had all of Harrison, Harrison Ford's... Uh, narration over the top and you're supposed to Which, watch it with silence instead and it's so well, much better. the narration better. was terrible. Yeah. Like the narration just dropped in and out and made no sense. It was not helpful. Yeah. But yeah, so the new one is coming out. We just watched the trailer. It looks just as incomprehensible and unsatisfying as the first one. Yeah, I definitely won't go see it in theaters. Maybe when it's on on demand or something, I'll check it out. Um, but I read a few stories about like really, really intense Blade Runner fans talking about whether they would like the sequel or not. And here are some of the things that they said they loved about the original. They said that they loved that they did not like any of the characters or the plot. That was one of their favorite things about the movie. Because you're a plot person and I'm a character person. They also bragged about how very little happens in the movie. They thought that was one of the strengths of the original Blade Runner as well. It's heavy on atmosphere. And the new one does not look grimy enough. 
There's not enough smoke, and you can't see who's talking. Yeah, basically the only thing that I got out of those those uh, articles that the I read... the future looks shitty? Were that, yeah, they loved the design of the, the futuristic, grimy city, which was good, maybe not good enough on our crappy little television. So maybe it looked a lot better in theaters in it 1982. It looked grimier. But, yeah. <laughs> the, the only movie that I liked with that kind of future-y feel was that movie that wasn't actually that good that no one's seen, Push. Did we look up? It was called Push. Remember they yeah. were in, like, futuristic Tokyo or something? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That actually was a good setting. The mm-hmm. Blade Runner was just smoke and dirty buildings. I, I don't know. I didn't get it, and I don't plan to understand the sequel. The only thing I liked about it kind of ties back into lexicon mm-hmm. i liked the little quiz bit about figuring out if they were an android or not right. by the different like answers to the quit to the quiz questions i thought that bit was and interesting that's a huge huge part of about in the book and in the movie it's sort of used in the introduction and then that's it well maybe i'll like the book then maybe yeah, i should read i'll the make book. you read it sometime but that that was i was literally working with robots at work yesterday and today mm. and you can ask the robots questions like can i trust you and like <laughs> it's really creepy the way it answers so mm. And like, do you have a family? And it's like, oh, all of my human developers are my family. And it's really creepy. So that's the part I liked about it. The whole like Harrison Ford being like angry and I don't know. Uh, Well, I was going to say, is this the end of we bring back old Harrison Ford to try to run around? I hope this is the last time because they've done it for Indiana Jones Star Wars, and now this. This has to be the end. Well, they'll have to kill him off in this one too so that he doesn't have to keep doing these. Please, let's put him down. I just, I'm going to make you watch some of the actual good Harrison Ford movies sometime, like Fugitive. I always try okay. and explain that one to you, and you never understand what I'm talking about, so. I've seen Air Force One, for sure. I like that one. So there's some good ones, but yeah. they keep re- rebooting the bad ones, I guess. Okay. Um, did you have a bad news for this week? Yeah. Going back to technology for my bad news. Okay. Um, so Facebook is planning to launch their own television content now. They want to catch up to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and do their own original content. Facebook needs to accept their place in the world and not try and Which right now, in terms of video, is that they're really good at showing live murders on Facebook. That's their primary source of video content. fights. And yeah. like, wasn't it, no, that was Snapchat that had the, the daycare that was running a fight club. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. I think that was actually Snapchat, but... Um, so anyways, they're planning to have a couple different types of content. Short content, which I think could actually work on Facebook if it's like funny or die kind of stuff. Yeah. Where it just shows up in your feed and you can, you know, upvote it if it's funny or not. But then they're planning to have a marquee tier of television with A-list actors already signed up for it. But yeah, I just can't picture like, myself re- like uh, like reality TV or I think scripted. Like, scripted. like I could almost see if they did reality type TV sure. on Facebook. Like uh, like Facebook's basically reality TV, anyways. Yeah. Like you p- put what you want people to see and edit it up and then post yeah. it on your wall for other people to look at that you don't know very well. Sure. So I could see them kind of taking the next step and just like adding a fourth wall. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and making like a reality TV. But having a scripted TV show? Yeah, you'll never really? get me to go to Facebook.com to watch TV. Facebook.com slash television? No. No, absolutely not. And so I don't know what Zuck's master plan is. Did you hear about how Zuck went to visit a random family? Are we family calling him in, Zuck now? Yeah, in okay. Ohio. Did you, see, did you hear about his Ohio visit? No. I guess he channeled his inner, inner Lena Dunham and wanted to go visit Middle America because he didn't know how they lived. Blue Collar Americans. So he, went, he had dinner with Blue Collar Americans but he bought catered food for them, brought it into their house, and had them surrounded by photographers showing him 
eating with Middle America. So it's like a weird, creepy study abroad version, but within your own country. Yeah, and people think like that he's... Like a homestay, but just with poor, white, poor, <laughs> yeah. like, white trash. Preparing for a presidential run someday, which is what Jesus. it kind of smelled like, but that's terrifying. I mean, our, obviously the American politics right now needs not the kind of shakeup it got. It needs yeah. an actual good shakeup, but I don't think Mark Zuckerberg's white ass is the person to do that. Yeah, start with not showing murders on your live video feeds. Yeah. Um, and also, Amazon basically has a new gadget every week. Did you hear about the Echo Show this week? No. Which gives you an Alexa little device in your home, but this one has a video screen, so she can show you what the weather is like outside. And You know, you can put it right next to the window so you can see the real so weather. So you could just look out the window. Yeah. And you can also do video calls to other people with Amazon devices. The best part about their press release for this device, though, is a feature that they're including, which allows you to specify certain friends or family members who can call your device, and it will automatically accept the call without you doing anything. Showing people your sex tape. Yes. They can dial your number, and it will turn on the camera in your home, and they can look inside your home. That sounds so fucked up on so many levels. Yes. Forget the fact that that means all of that data is going through Amazon servers, so they're looking inside your house probably. Like, I mean, Edward Snowden must be shitting himself in Moscow or wherever he is. Are we using this as a connection into our book for this week? Because a little bit. Because that's the perfect connection. That's pretty good. Um, so anyways, yeah, they, they claim that it was just a, a small feature that some people would use to check on el elderly relatives who couldn't come to the device. Get them one of those fucking necklaces. Yes, but if you don't touch the screen within 10 seconds, they will activate your camera and they can start talking and seeing into your house. That's horrifying. Yeah. Bad news. All right, so we'll transition that into our book for this week. The children love the books. <laughs> So our book for this week, as I mentioned, is Lexicon by Max Berry. Melbourne-based. Another Melbourne-based author. This was one of your favorite recent books from a couple years ago. Read it a few years ago. Gave it an A on book digits. You bought me a beautiful hardcover edition. Signed. Personalized. So I decided to reread it this year. I still enjoyed my reread of it, but I did knock it down a slight grade on, on my reread. So I enjoyed my reread because I realized I did not remember anything that happened <laughs> from the first time I read it. And I usually have the better book memory out of the two of us. I, I was reading, I was like, oh yeah, that happens. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. The yeah. entire book. Like I vaguely remembered the premise okay. and some of the characters, but... The twists and turns you didn't remember. I mean, I don't want to give too many spoilers because probably not right. a lot of people so have read this book, but yeah. I remembered like the overall plot. Yeah. So some of the early, early twists didn't shock me because I was like, oh yeah, obviously. Right. But the later twists, like all the way up to the very last page, I didn't remember any of it. Okay. So, so I think I enjoyed my reread a bit okay. more than you did. That's that's interesting. So the rereadability on this, you would think would be a bit low on book digits then if... For me, yeah. If you already remember what's going to happen. Because a lot of it kind of relies on not knowing who the bad guys and the good guys are. Correct. So if you already remember exactly who's bad and who's good and what happens, it's not quite as dramatic to read, I would guess. And there's kind of a dual timeline where there's one one action happening in present tense, I think, and one in past tense. I, I, got quite, I don't know if it's because I was just reading it on the tram today, but I got quite confused at one point of when the timelines merged. merged yeah. Because I thought they had already merged and then one of the characters started talking to someone else that he had shot 50 pages earlier. Yeah. And I got a bit confused about what timeline we were in because they don't really make it clear. No, it's definitely keeps it, 
keeps it interesting, but yeah, I don't think it's as clear as it could be. Let's just back up a little bit and introduce the book to our listeners. All right, so... Oh, you want to do the summary? You said it's my book. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, it sort of falls into the literary thriller genre, which I don't think really is a genre, but some people claim it is. It's a well-written thriller, isn't it? Yeah, but it has some... Uh, not really sci-fi elements. I'd call it more uh, speculative fiction, I guess. Okay, so the central premise of the book is that there's this group or this agency of really intelligent people who, uh, they call themselves poets, and they use language to sort of hijack other people's brains and control their actions. Is that pretty much right? Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, magic-y or, like, a special device or anything. It's no. more, like, on a primitive level, our brains respond to words. Like, words carry, like words have certain sounds that carry certain meanings to us. Right. So they kind of use that to their advantage. And that was that little quiz I teased at the beginning of the podcast is yeah. they use that as a way to figure out if people are poets, but also to figure out which type of words are going to work on which type of person because different personality types and different um, kind of ways that people's brains work, like whether they always have those quizzes of like if you're left-brained or if you're right-brained yeah. or if you're a Hufflepuff or you're a Ravenclaw <laughs> or whatever. So those type of personality segments can help them figure out which words are going to like work on your brain to make you – it's not even really like – mind reading it's more just yeah. like making you respond to suggestions or making you persuadable yes persuading is the primary thing right and um the big issue in the plot is that they think they've come up with what they call a bear word which is like this super magical word where if you say it or you see it then it like it's kind totally of like the universal word like yeah. it works on every single right. person except for one which he's sort of immune sometimes, but then he's not always immune. Like, that was one issue I had was No, that... he was immune the whole time. He was immune... The whole point was that he was immune to the segments that they knew about. Yeah. He was, like, his own segment. Right. So, anyway, so the plot takes place both in the U.S. and Australia, which I did enjoy that part. I enjoyed um, that on the reread yeah. because we, we read it previously when we were in the U.S. Yeah. It must have been three or four years ago. And reading it now, it's very interesting to read about some of the differences with Australia. Some of the things I understand about Australian culture. Right, it felt that... really, really exotic the first time I was reading it. Now it's like, oh, it's just like a really uh, country town in Australia. Yeah, it's like I feel like we've probably driven through one of these before. Yeah. So that was interesting. But it was also interesting, like you were just mentioning about um, having all the information from people because we are just getting more and more and more and more sharing at this point and mm -hmm. you can literally just open up a video to anyone's home like yeah. that was kind of a bit of the undertone or like they had some kind of between chapter things about how people can use the information that we so willingly give like all those yeah. thousands of personality quizzes man i do those all the time sure. on the board and all the stuff that you put on facebook and instagram and your uh all description your on twitter and who's using your data yeah, and what websites you visit, yeah. and like it, it already is creepy to some extent when you type something in your calendar, and then on Ooh. Google, there's a little pin that says, you have a meeting here Shut at 6 o'clock. Shut up, Google. I don't want to know what traffic is like. Or I have a friend who has a baby, and now it's like, uh. do you need a pregnancy test? Do you need baby food? Like, So it's already creepy to that extent, but yeah. this book was basically taking it to the next level, saying people are going to know how to control you, essentially. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting what they were... There was one aside that really struck me with the mm -hmm. U.S. political situation and the election. And it was basically talking about how websites can use that data about you to only show you content that you agree with. Right. And make your you filter think... bubble. Your filter bubble. And that's exactly the problem yeah, yeah. with most politics today, especially America, 
is that people only get their news from one source. And it talked a lot about in the book, not even these magical words that control you, but just how you can use language to persuade people that something is the truth. Right. And T-Word does that all the time. Like he leaves Mm. blanks in his sentences that he doesn't fill in and he assumes that his followers will make the right assumptions about what he's trying to say without having him actually getting in trouble for saying it yeah. or the types of words that he uses give give people confidence in him even though he's not really saying anything yeah. so even if you don't go the extra step of this book of having you know magical words that make people able to be controlled by their brains yeah. people it's still something that's actually relevant and people do it all the time the certain language choices and word choices they make and sure. how they use that to to persuade people that they're on their side or that what they're saying is true just yeah. scary nowadays. So one one question I had with the book is that the scope of the mind control ability I don't think is really clear. Like how how much does it really control a person? Like they they have some people who commit murder because of the words that they hear, but if you tell someone to go jump 10 feet in the air and they physically can't jump that high in the air, what happens? I don't I think they like died trying because yeah. there was that one part where he accidentally controls Elliot who's like dying and it said you yes. can't die. And he was, like, right. in physical pain. Or it was, like, you have to get up. And he tried to get up, and he was, like, literally, like, spewing blood. Yeah. And was trying to get up. So I think you'd actually... So it just convinces your brain to attempt to do whatever That you doing. have to do that. That's yeah. the most important thing. I think the best insight you get is when you are actually in the perspective of people that are being controlled. Yes. There's short parts of yeah. when Elliot's being controlled and at the end with Emily. Yep. So... I thought the end with Emily was the most interesting part of how she goes along with the orders, but to the letter. Yeah. Like there was the, a scene when he says, I'm missing something, aren't I? And she says, yes. Yeah. He said, what am I missing? She said, two things. So she learned to uh, kind of get around, to follow the orders, but get around them as much as she can. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And I don't know if I, spoilers here for the ending, I don't know if I buy the whole love is the first bear word and yeah. that's why that's why he remembered in the end and that's why she was able to overcome and that's why he was able to overcome whether or not he could kill her at the end. Overall, I just didn't think the love story really hooked me on this reading. Well, uh, because they set her up to be a psychopath and yeah. then all of a sudden make you think that she's just a normal person in love and right. it's kind of a weird transition. Yeah. I kind of liked her a little bit more when she was a crazy psychopath. Um, I think she was like still a psychopath when she was in love <laughs> with him. She still tried to control him and stuff and he yeah. loved her anyways and I think that's a nice part of it but yeah, it was kind of a, a hard switch. They didn't really show a lot of that personality transition or that um, settling of her. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, she's been here for two years and now she's bored and now she's in love with this guy. Yeah. My other big issue on on reading it for a second time, was the secret organization that these poets are part of. I mean, it's kept mysterious on purpose, obviously, and you get some details um, filled out at the end. And then they expand it to be, like, international a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I didn't but... like that scene. But, yeah, you just don't really understand what their agenda is. Like, you know they're kind of presenting as fighting for good things, but they're actually sort of evil, but... I know, it seems like a very powerful skill to have to be able to mind control just about anybody in the universe. Yeah, it's only at the very end that they kind of go all the way into, I'm going to start my own religion and take over the world. Yeah. But I, I felt like that international scene was almost just like someone editing it being like, dude, didn't, wouldn't the rest of the world care about this? And he was like, oh shit, and just inserted like an international scene just to right. cover that fact, plot hole. If you're using language to mind control people, you have to, also have to be able to do it in foreign languages as well. Yeah, and they kind of threw, the, threw that in the end there too, yeah. like... Um, Elliot controls someone in Arabic all of a sudden. It's like, okay. 
Elliot, though, I was... Yeah, he's my favorite. He's my favorite yeah. character, but I was very upset, spoiler again here, about his death. He deserved a mm. better death. Yeah. I mean, it, they kind of had been leading up to it for a while. Like, he probably should have died before because yeah. he was not really being a good poet in terms of the organization and took right. too many chances and stuff, gave too many second and third and fourth chances. Mm-hmm. But they built him up to be kind of the hero to some extent. Like, he breaks away from the organization and tries to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And then he just gets shot and dies. It was literally one sentence. Mm. So I was really upset about that because I, I remembered him dying, but I was just like, oh, he's going to have a really good death because they <laughs> built him up so much. And then it's just like, and then he was dead. Like, literally in a half a sentence. Yeah. But he was my favorite character. Yeah. So I still definitely enjoyed it a lot. Um... Good news is that uh, when I checked in with Max Berry last year, not actually because we we're not friends, but not yet. Um, he had said that he had given up writing and had no other new ideas. But I checked his website last week. He has multiple books in the pipeline. Okay, so we got over his writer's block. Yeah, yeah. I bet it was the emails that I sent him. You think so? Because you bought that one hardcover copy that just... I did. He was so nice and so friendly when I got that book for you for Christmas. <laughs> so I think I probably, like, knowing that there was a fan that dedicated... Yeah. Just probably snapped him right out of his writer's block. Good. All right. So the TV show we're going to talk about this week. This is just a Bennett-centric episode. It is. It is. Do you want to introduce the TV show? Sure. Uh, So we're going to talk about The Leftovers from HBO. We're only going to talk about season one, which I watched on my own a few months ago. And then I had a test where I said, do I think Heather will like it enough to force her through ten episodes? And I said, yes, I think she will. Ten long episodes. Yeah. So, but the good news is that it's three seasons long. We know it's ending at the end of the third season, okay. which is happening right now. So it's all in in our control. Okay. The only reason I agreed to watch it is that Matt Nathanson said it was the best show ever. So okay. I trust his judgment. Good recommendation. Uh, so I th- it sounds like most white people in America watch Leftovers, so it's Probably. not like we're really breaking any news here. Probably. So yeah, we'll focus our discussion on season one for now and then probably check in after the next our next season that we watch. So you can all laugh at us if our predictions are way yes. off here because I didn't realize that you stopped at season one. For some reason, I thought you had watched everything and came back. Yeah. So I kept getting annoyed. I was like, why are you, <laughs> why do you keep saying you don't know this? I have this? no answers for anything, no. And I just kept thinking that you were like making fun of me or just purposely making it suspenseful and then you reminded me that you actually only watched one season. Yeah. No, so we're both on the same page now. Um, so this is a series based on the book by Tom Parada. Uh, and he's writing the TV series alongside Damon Lindelof. Uh, of, Lost fanboy over here. Yeah, so writer of Lost, that shitty second Star Trek movie, Prometheus, and a few other things. Um, so what do we want to talk about? I was going to point out some of the episodes from season one that were my favorites, probably. Sure, go ahead. I really like the standalone ones, um, which is a little bit of a throwback to Lost, the way that they would have... Episodes based character all centric. around, yeah, on one character. The one with the with Christopher Eccleston, the, yeah. the priest one, freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, that was scary. That was quite aggressive for a third episode. Yeah, when he goes off to the casino to try to get money to get his church back, gets some money and then bashes the guy's face in. Yeah. And... Uh, episode six is Nora's standalone episode. You think that I'm like Nora? I just thought you would like Nora. Who do you think is most like you? If I'm Nora, does that make you the chief? No, I think I'm most like the mayor. The mayor's my favorite okay. character. You want to be the strong black woman in the yes. story. Yes, is that okay? Yes, that's fine. I also really like episode seven, which is the one that starts with Jill getting locked in the fridge, oh, and yeah. then her grandfather shows up, and that's the one where the grandfather's free from his mental institute, is running around saying crazy stuff, throwing National Geographic issues everywhere. You were like, focus on the magazine, focus on it. I oh. thought I was supposed to be reading like a note or something on it, and you're like, no, no it's just the cover. 
Um, and now we got to episode nine, of course, which is the flashback episode. And this is the one that felt really, really lost to me. Did I say that? You felt. We never even talked about the wine that we're drinking. Oh, yeah. I'm, I got distracted by the lexicon quiz. I still don't know yeah. what segment you'd be in, though. Okay. Um, it's a Sauvignon Blanc from Tassie. And it's I think we've already drank in this one. Drank in? What's your problem? We have uh, not. There's a Sauvignon Blanc Semillon that's over there that we've already drank because I got two bottles. Um, I've already drunk. Then our so, grandma's down the toilet. The flashback episode was really losty and not the good kind of losty. It was like when, you know, it was like the flash forward or the flashback when you didn't know what timeline you were in and lost. Uh, and I, just slightly unnecessary. It kind of just told us things we already knew about the characters. Yeah. Like, if that was, I almost wish that was episode one. Yeah. And then episode two was, I mean, I know episode one, the point is just meant to, like, get you in, get you into sure. it, suck you in. But I almost feel like that would have worked better, episode one, where you don't know the characters and don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what, I mean, obviously they could, have the value put, add? they could have put the flashback episode pretty much anywhere in the sequence. Really, the the big ruse of it, I think, was the the cold open where you didn't know whether he was moved had moved in with Nora or who he was living with, and then when it's revealed that it's uh, Lori and she's talking, you're like, holy shit, is this you know past future? What is that was this? Like for three seconds, yeah. And I really thought it disrupted the momentum of episode uh, eight going into eight episode to ten, 10 yeah. because that was really the the finale of the season, like the climax of the season, and you had this weird strange tones flashback episode in the middle of those two yeah. and i think it just kind of like stopped the ball rolling from what they had been building up the whole season i don't know that the timing of it was right yeah so it was cool to see how where the different characters were when the event happened i'm actually more interested in the ones that they didn't show though i'm wondering where was grandpa chief during mm-hmm. the event where was the mayor where was someone like Amy, who wasn't even the fla- in the flashback, but maybe we can discuss whether we think Amy's even real. Yeah, and the dog killer man. He wasn't yeah. even in the town, supposedly. Um, Wayne, my favorite. Yeah. Not Wayne. No, what's the... I don't like Wayne. No, I don't like Wayne. What's the um little cop bitch guy that just follows around Chief? He's my favorite. <laughs> what's his name? I always forget his name. <laughs> we don't even know his name. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, do you want to use that point to talk about your theory about why some of the people are crazy? So, I'm thinking that, Cause that is people what... are suffering different levels of crazy based on what they were Let's doing. Let's use the word crazy. Let's use the word like psychosis, maybe. Okay. Uh, based on what happened to them at the event. So I think Kevin's really screwed up because he was banging someone who disappeared. He was literally inside someone yes. when she left. You know Lori's got to be messed up because we think that she had a baby disappear from her womb. From, yes. Um, otherwise, I just think that if people were looking at someone as they disappeared, I think that could be affecting them. Your theory was looking. My theory is touching. From watching mm. that episode, I thought they made such a point to show that the chief was literally having sex right. with a girl. They made such a point to show all of the kids at the science fair holding hands for that electric current demo thing. Yeah. So they, if they were all holding hands, they are all connected to mm. some extent. And the baby was obviously touching. She li- yeah. literally connected to Lori from, from the inside. Yeah. So I think, if anything, it's touching. Like, I see what you mean by looking like Oh, you're looking at something and all of a sudden it's not there? Yeah. That could fuck you up? It's like looking up. at a solar eclipse or something sure. to screw you up. Looking straight in the sun like yeah. you're not supposed to. But I think touching would be even more because you're literally holding on to something and it's gone. then all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. And how do you, like, not to get too, like, into oh, the specifics of it, but if they took their clothes with you but didn't take the person that's touching them... Wait, did they take their clothes? Did they? There were no clothes at Nora's kitchen table. No. <gasps> 
Yeah, just thought of that. So if they took their clothes but didn't take the people, they didn't take the cup they were holding. No. So did they just not do the clothes because the producers didn't want to deal with no, them? No, Kevin was going through the sheets. There was no dress. Yeah. So that's why mm. I think touching is weird because maybe like a little bit of them got taken yeah. somehow and that screwed them up. So my biggest theory is that Amy, uh, Jill's friend who's yeah. living with them, is just her second personality. There's definitely got to be some split personalities. The chief and his dog killing buddy, those have to be linked somehow. And the dog killing buddy even said it when they were in the cabin. Like, uh, what's her face? Crazy white cult lady. Yeah. Said, who Patty. are who are you? Yeah. And he said, she's like, are you a ghost? And he said, no, I'm more like a guardian angel. Yeah. He actually said that. And I'm sure he was like being sarcastic or something. But then, you know, the grandpa talks to the voices. I was just going to say. So on the way out of the cabin. Yes. Um, crazy dog killing guy said, I did the best I could. Yep. There's no way that made any sense to Patty or the chief. No. And that the, only made yeah. sense if the voices are talking to I him. I was going to say the same thing. If you watch a couple of last episodes and if you kind of listen to what Kevin's saying and you don't pay attention to the dog killing guy, he's acting just like the grandpa. Yeah. In terms of the voices That's that he's talking point. to. That's a good point. So I don't know if it's just genetic and somehow that whole family has gotten fucked up. Well, my other Tommy, theory is... Tommy's not related to them and he doesn't have a second personality. That's true. He's not related to the chief. I'm sorry. also hoping that those annoying twins are also a split personality and there's only actually one of them. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious because they're so <laughs> egotistical that they made another one that looks exactly yeah, like yeah, them. Yeah. At least Amy looks a bit different. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of connections to Lost. I think this is probably the best writing that Lindelof has done, but there's, you know, the animal symbolism, the personality stuff. So many biblical quotes. Yeah. I, he loves his allusions. You missed some of those. I had yeah. to fill you in on some of them. Um, thank you all those years of CCD. I also wonder like if they're going to go the religious angle. I don't see what other angle there is. Mm. There's no scientific reason for it to happen because something would have been left, been left behind. There, there's no. It just doesn't make any sense scientifically. So if it's not scientific, then it's likely that it's spiritual or religious. Yeah. If it's spiritual or religious, I don't understand how people are still going to church if they've already missed the rapture. The rapture is the end. Yeah, I really expected uh, the priests role to be a lot more talking about the rapture. And he doesn't talk very much about the rapture at all. Well, I think he thinks, which if they're going to go religious angle, I think I kind of agree with that. It's just a test. Yeah. It's almost like a pre-rapture or a right. fake rapture, because if you were religious or even if you weren't religious and you thought that there was a rapture, what's the point of being a good person anymore? Yeah. Other than just miss to, the boat. You miss the boat. Like if that's the, hopefully that's not the only reason you're being a good person is because yeah. you believe Jesus is judging you or whatever. But if that's the only reason you were being a good person and you've lost your chance on that, yeah. you're never going to see your family again, then what's the point of being a good person? So is it a test, like, basically saying there's no one watching, there's no reward, what are you going to do? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, when the teacher leaves the classroom and uh, says, like, I'll be back in a half an hour. Like, yeah. did you, do you cheat on the test or do you not? Definitely. I mean, no. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. I, they'll definitely give us some answers, hopefully more answers than lost. The good, well, it could be good or bad that the book actually ends... The original book ends where season one has ended with, I believe, Nora getting the random Wayne baby. Okay. So they so gave, odd. you know, the writers of the show two extra seasons to figure out what they want to do from there. So the book obviously gave you no answers at all about what the event was. It was just That's an irritating. analysis of what would happen to people in that situation. So it's like Lord of the Flies, but real yeah. people and with the rapture. Uh, last things I just wanted to mention quickly is that I think two big strengths of the show are one, the acting and two, the music. Music's very repetitive, but the melodies that they have, they 
the music is good. I think it's a little bit on the nose sometimes. Like yeah. you don't always pay attention, but I was like, Oh, do you, are you listening to the lyrics of this? And you're like, uh-huh. no. And it's like literally describing the situation of what's happening. So I think it's yeah. a little too on the nose sometimes, but well done. I mean, yeah. they, they do a good job with making everything fit with the symbolism and the, the music and all of that. Mm-hmm. And you think the acting's pretty good as well. I think the acting's pretty solid, although I don't agree with you necessarily that it's because they're not famous faces. Right. I was kind of saying that, you know, they're not super famous actors, so I don't feel like I'm watching, like, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone acting out these roles. Like, I'm actually buying them as characters, but, yeah. I agree with you that there's not a ton of recognizable roles for them, but, I mean, Christopher, Christopher Eccleston was, was Doctor Who, so I wouldn't right. say he's an unknown. Take your word for it. Yeah. Um... So do we want to end that there and we'll get back to it? I'm going to make a start season two this week, so. Okay, I'm ready, I think. Okay. So I actually have some upcoming things that I'm excited about. I think the last two weeks I was rather negative. We're not doing shit Heather doesn't care about this week? No, today is things that I actually do care about. Okay. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I just have two quick ones that caught my interest. Okay. Um, There's going to be a full-length opera about the life of Steve Jobs. (laughs) Not a musical, an opera. So your Apple fanboy that's the little tiny one that's left inside of you is a little interested by it? Not really. I just thought that was funny that someone's written an opera about him. And also, uh, there's a Transformers 5 coming out, which I'm not the least bit excited about. But it's going to feature a King Arthur storyline, which I thought... (laughs) What? (laughs) Apparently... Are you trying to make fun of me, my kid in King Arthur's court in the last week? There's a crossover to happen there. Okay. Apparently the Decepticon bumblebees were were in the court with Merlin and all those dudes. Okay. Yeah. So one of them is Lancelot. Yeah. All right. So this is actually shit Ben is not excited about, really. This yeah, week. I guess so. So I have a couple. I think one that I think you are excited about, too. Master of None is back on Netflix with yes. the season. I'm sorry. I liked season one. I didn't really feel like there had to be a season two. I kind of liked the ending when he went off, you know, the, the, the pair parted ways and went off to do their own things. You not you don't think it's going to be interesting to see more of his like comedic style or yeah no I'll definitely show. watch it but I'm not sure like what the plot necessity was necessarily okay well I'm interested to see where yeah, it goes I'll check it out um, the other Netflix one that I'm excited about is Orange Is the New Black is coming back very shortly they yeah. just released the final trailer it's coming back in a couple weeks I've watched you watch this show a bit you never seem to be enjoying it while you're watching it they do this thing where they have mm-hmm. a good like first two episodes and a really great last episode and then seven shit episodes in the middle. Yeah. So they brainwashed you to think that you loved the whole season, Mm. even though it was actually like the last 45 minutes that you liked. So they hook you with giving you like a good cliffhanger and some good character development, like at the very beginning and end. And then what always happens is I watch the first couple, I go, man, this is kind of not getting great. I go off it for a couple months and then somebody's like, how have you not finished it yet? So I go back and force myself to finish it. It's got to be close to ending its run though, right? I hope this season might be the last one I don't know so this season is different it's all going to take place supposedly over a couple in King days. Arthur's court <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Merlin just shows up in, <laughs> in the prison Merlin's prison um, it's going to be taking place over a couple of days the right. other ones have been like yeah because I saw the, the fina- bits of the finale when you were watching yeah so it. basically they stage like a prison riot take over the prison and like shit gets real so I'm okay. very excited for that and I'm hoping that keeps it a bit more uh, fast-paced than the last couple seasons, sure. which I've had real lulls in the middle. That made you know me they killed off your favorite character. I still, I'm still not ready to talk about it. Oh, oh my god, I'm still upset about that. It was oh, sure they'll I have can't. flashbacks. I can't. All right, Probably. What's next? Um, 
I know you've not seen this movie, but I saw that there's going to be an Edge of Tomorrow sequel. Terrible yeah. title. It's that one with Tom Cruise and yeah. um, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. And it, you it watched it on actually, a plane. I watched yeah. it on a plane. I thought you would watch it with me, but you mm-hmm. said your watch screen it over was your broken. shoulder. Yeah. Um, I. It was a pretty solid movie. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, but futuristic, dystopian kind of thing. Yeah. Emily Blunt is a badass in it. She's basically the lead character. They just had to put Tom Cruise's face on things because of the patriarchy. Yeah. But I'm excited to see. I'm interested to see what they do with the sequel. We'll have to watch it sometime so I can remember how it ends and so you can actually watch it. I read a it. little bit about it. They actually changed the name of the movie for the DVD release because everyone it's hated it. It's such a terrible it. yeah, movie. It's like, when die repeat or something it's such know. a generic edge of tomorrow like <laughs> yeah. it could be any could be blade runner it could be any mm-hmm. sort of horrible weird dystopian movie but i was excited to see that because i kind of only thought about that movie but sure. we should rewatch it okay. or i'll rewatch it and you can watch it for the first time not yeah. over my shoulder anything else um wonder woman yeah i'm very excited it's for not that. a marvel movie i've i've learned <laughs> sorry andrew um we will hopefully get to see that in IMAX, so that's coming out soon. Sure. I have, did not see... And Chris Pine is Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's a transformative role for him. Apparently. I I hope that they asked Gal Gadot to be the SNL host, and when she said no, that's when they asked Chris Pine, because if they mm. asked Chris Pine as the star of Wonder Woman, that's... I can't even. <sighs> so... I'm excited for that. I have I don't care at all about DC. I didn't see mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, but I'm no. for some reason very excited about Wonder Woman. So just want to say thanks to everyone for ruining Batman for me. Just want to say that real quick. <laughs> I used to like Batman. I know, used to want to be Batman. Mm-hmm. You all ruined it. Yeah. Mostly Christopher Nolan, I think. Yep. <sighs> I actually like the, the hero shitty... Gotham needs, not the hero Gotham deserves. If you bring Seal back on a Batman soundtrack, I will get back that on that. That music video was ludicrous. Do you admit that the music video was ridiculous? I never I saw the music Twitter. video. I had the Batman Returns soundtrack on a cassette, and I would know how far I had to rewind it just to hear the Seal song again. I would, there was no repeat button on tape players back then, but I knew how to do it. <laughs> okay. Kiss from a rose um, I recommend everyone go to our Twitter and watch the music video for it because he's singing in front of the bat signal and it's, it's yeah, hilarious. <laughs> Alright, I'll stop shitting on your childhood now. Ugh. The last thing I want to talk about is more of those god-awful live musicals. Um, the first I one thought I, you liked some of them. The first one I am excited about, Jesus Christ Superstar, is going to be yeah. NBC's next one and they're going to release it on Easter. Okay. For a while, I thought it was the same thing as Joseph and the Technicolor and that. I thought those all three were the same. Okay. No, they're different. Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat is like an actual Bible story. Okay. Um, Godspell is like kind of a weird, like 90s modern version of... I thought that's what Jesus Christ Superstar was. No. Jesus Christ Superstar is like a rock opera. About the crucifixion. Yes. Okay. Um, So it's not like... Godspell is about modern people. Kind of. Quick question. Yeah. If I if I start listening to Jesus these, Christ. if Superstar. I start listening to these, Ooh, oh my god! <laughs> if I start listening to these shows, their audio CDs, am I gonna understand the shows? Um. Because no. I'm Jesus still Christ superstar. You won't. I'm understand still in the think. middle of my musical crisis where no pop modern music is doing it for me. I just downloaded the Dear Evan Hansen um, album on. You tried to download on Spotify. <laughs> Who knows if it ended up on your phone? Um, did you ever get Hamilton on your? No. Did you finally decide to jump on the Hamilton bandwagon? Like I was a listening year later? to one of my pretentious podcasts, one of the ones that you hate, and mm-hmm. Brett Easton Ellis said, "You know what? The best pop music of the last two years were the songs from Hamilton." It's and true. when he first said it, I was like, "That's laughable." 
And then I started having my musical crisis. Uh-huh. And I said, I think I should probably go back and listen to Hamilton. It's only taken like a year and a half of convincing. Yeah. Um, anyways, I don't know if you would understand Jesus Christ Superstar, but okay. my mom had the original vinyl of that. So we used to listen to it on Easter. Because like, what Easter music is there when you're like at home with your Prince family? Prince of Egypt. Uh, true. Other than that. I was just trying to suck up to you. I don't really know. Whatever. Other than that, there's not a lot. Like, there's no like Easter carols to listen to <laughs> when you're at home with your I family. I used to do and a dance to, talk to Peter Cotton Rabbit Tale. Is that a thing? I don't think those are the correct orders of those okay, words. Well, I used to do a dance Peter to Rabbit. Something. But anyways, those are two different things. Peter there Rabbit. Peter Cottontail <laughs> hopping down the bunny trail. Okay, that's Is that enough. an Easter song? <laughs> I don't think so. It's just about bunnies. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, I'm excited for Jesus Christ Superstar. I could see that being a fun thing to watch with your families on Easter night, like after dinner's over and like there's no football on because it's the wrong season. And grandma's and like, drunk. Done with talking to your family. Yeah. So I still think that could be interesting and I do like the songs from it. Okay. But then I saw it was very confused. Because that came out as the next NBC musical. Yeah. And then I saw, oh, the next live musical is going to be Rent. And I was like, I yeah. thought it was Jesus Christ I Superstar. I knew you were going to get confused. Fox and then I looked at Fox Rent. and NBC. I'm unsure about how Rent is going to go. Especially okay. because one of the news um, briefs I saw for it said the AIDS-themed musical, which is a little <laughs> bit in poor taste. 10,700 minutes, 600 minutes. So I'm not sure how I feel about that one. I think a lot of the live musicals have been atrocious. Grease was rough. Uh, yeah. I like Aaron Tibet. was kind of silly. I like Aaron Tibet, but Grease was rough. I hate Alison Williams, so I would not even watch a second and of And NBC is also doing A Christmas Story, which is not a Ugh. musical, but it can become a musical, I guess. And you are a Grinch, and you've never liked Christmas Story. I never watched I never grew up watching that. So once again, that's one if you watch it now, and it doesn't have the you nostalgia gotta adapt. factor. you got to adapt. Ralphie's the shit. No, I, I mean, no, actually, I like his little brother Shoot better. Shoot your eye out and all of that. I yeah. don't know. It never worked for me. Okay. Um, so, we'll see. Okay. So I think we'll end it there. Thank you very much for listening. We made it through five episodes. People said it couldn't happen. Nobody said anything about it. <laughs> no. Radio silence. <laughs> um, thank you if you're still listening to us. And thank you for the couple reviews that we have on iTunes. Um, please keep listening. And remember to check out our Twitter if you yeah. want to see any of the links we talked about. At DDGetDown. And my Twitter is at Heather324. And I'm at Bennett Gavrish. You haven't used your Twitter in like a year. This fine. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys, and have a good week. Bye, 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 bye.